As we now recognize, the coronavirus pandemic has laid bare the structural problems and inequities in our healthcare system. However, this crisis has also accelerated the adoption of many technologies to care for patients the industry aims to serve. During this episode, Dr. Kim Gandhi, a remote patient monitoring expert and a national health technology industry leader, joins us to discuss Play It Health's efforts to battle COVID-19 with its personalized patient monitoring and virtual care management platform. While together, Dr. Gandhi shares how her company came to be and the quick and decisive business decisions she made during the pandemic's early onset. Additionally, Dr. Gandhi outlines how Play It Health is helping our frontline healthcare heroes and the opportunities for our community to engage with her team. Join us for this timely expert coronavirus update as we continue to work together to overcome the most significant public health challenge in our lifetimes. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Gandhi, a warm welcome to our podcast, and thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Mike, thanks for having us. Well, Kim, I'm looking forward to our conversation today regarding your team's efforts in providing personalized remote patient monitoring in a rich virtual care management platform, as well as how you're using your platform, Planet Med, to improve community efforts to combat COVID-19 and much more. But before we dive in to learn more about your inspiring and current mission, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment and visit passionatepioneers.com in order to share your feedback and ideas. Simply scroll to the comments section at the bottom of each posted episode. And lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Maselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Kim, before we get into the, the bulk of the conversation today around what you guys are doing to help battle this pandemic, as we know, here we are in 2021 now. The pandemic is still raging. We still have a lot to accomplish around this country to help bring this pandemic to an end. But before we dive into your work around all of that, can you give us the background, the history, and the journey of Play It Health? And then we'll dive into all the things happening with your team and COVID-19. So Mike, again, thanks for having me today. I am a physician, scientist, and an entrepreneur. And this journey started many years ago when we launched an effort in the health engagement adherence space, initially directed at pediatric transplantation. I was a pediatric heart and transplant surgeon, and we were losing kids when they were not able to adhere to their transplant regimens. So we would get them through these Hail Marys of transplants, very complicated regimens. But if we just couldn't get them to take their medications, then we would lose them. So that was the initiation of the platform. But as we dove into it and took the blinders off, it was clear that this was a problem not just in the pediatric space. It was throughout the entire health space. As time moved on, we built a very comprehensive platform that hit over 20 different chronic conditions, reached both pediatrics and adults. And it was a complete virtual care management platform. And 
deeply seated within the platform is something that we now know as remote patient monitoring. So from the get-go, seven years ago, we realized that this was going to be a critical component of how we were going to want to administer care in the years in the future. And so we built that as part of our platform. So when this era of COVID-19 hit the world, we were positioned with a remote patient monitoring platform embedded in a very rich communication platform that had high adherence rates. And as we'll probably go into a little bit later, that's one of the critical elements to actually making remote patient monitoring work. And we will dive into that more deeply, Kim, for sure. And I've been fortunate enough to be a friend and, and be able to call you a friend, a mentor, and somebody that I highly respect in this industry. You've been part of Catalyst, our healthcare innovation campus here in downtown Denver, shining the example of how entrepreneurs should go about building their startups. But I have to ask you, Kim, before we go into the crux of the matter here, talking about COVID-19, did you ever think that you would be a founder of a tech company? Not until we did it. <laughs> so no, not in the initial phases. As you know, I've had quite a diverse background. I mean, I started off as a musician. So I was a musician, I was an athlete, and then went into medicines as a, a totally goal-oriented initiative. But no, I didn't imagine that I would be a founder of a tech company, but it was a needs-based thing that really occurred. There were a couple of different things that pushed us this way. But the market need was just so deep. I mean, I have a very deep-seated belief that there is a huge potential for digital health systems to optimize health outcomes. And also a big belief that this is a way that we can reach across the aisle and actually hit the diversity of the patient population, which we have really not done a very good job of yet. Well, I couldn't agree more. And to our entrepreneurial community listening in, it is exactly what Kim mentioned that is what we should be focusing on. Building technology, building innovation for a need in the marketplace, not building something and then trying to find a home for it. It's so important that we continue to take those lessons as we build new and innovative technology to help serve the healthcare industry. We have to find those needs first. So Kim, thank you for sharing your storied background. I'm looking forward to discussing Play Health's direct efforts to help battle the pandemic after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. This episode of Passion of Pioneers is brought to you by Augmetics, ambient medical documentation and live clinical support. Did you know that nearly 75% of clinicians surveyed in a recent study say they spend over 10 hours per week on paperwork and medical notes? But clinicians who've adopted Augmetics are spending less time writing notes and more time providing superior care to their patients. Augmetics is a leading provider of remote medical documentation using remote AI-assisted live scribes to observe, listen, and capture relevant details from natural conversation for over 35 specialties. Augmetics provides real-time support that includes orders, referrals, and reminders to deliver accurate, complete, and timely medical notes. Augmetics brings back the joy of practicing medicine. To learn more and to bring the Augmetics joy to your practice, visit augmetics.com slash passionate pioneers or click on the link at the top of the episode notes. We are back with Dr. Kim Ganning. We have so much to discuss, so let's dive in. Kim, thanks again for sharing that background about Play It Health, all the things you guys have been doing over these years, seeing that need in the marketplace. 
and how digital health and healthcare technology innovation can have a true impact in healthcare. And of course, now more acutely here with the pandemic, before we dive into what you guys are exactly addressing in the marketplace to help battle this virus, can you take our community back when you were making those decisions, not only as the founder and the chief executive officer, but also with your team members and making those decisions. Here's a pandemic coming at us very fast. As we know, things were changing by the week and you had your entire plan in place, I'm sure for the 2020. And then this hits. Take us into those decision-making points for the company to say, you know what, we need to pivot some or all of our business and efforts to the pandemic. And then we'll dive into some of the results you guys are seeing. Before we go there, share with us what it was like to make those decisions as a company in a fast-moving environment that the pandemic brought us. Well, Mike, thank you for that intro because it's a very interesting story in so many different ways. So when we go through the different hats that I have worn and that our company has sort of worn over the years, I was not only a physician, but I was also a scientist. So I was a trained immunologist and I live with my husband is a basic scientist. So we have a home that is very steeped in both science and medicine. So we had been watching things pretty closely as early as January, right? So it wasn't that this didn't really come upon us as a big surprise. It was more trying to identify exactly what our position was going to be within the pandemic. But yes, every single day, we hoped that more people and more administrative services, et cetera, would understand exactly what was on our forefront. But we also realized that this may not happen and this may get much more out of hand before we really realize what's happening. And as a result of that, we started having discussions and I can remember them because I was in Denver at Catalyst with our team when we were discussing what our role was going to be in COVID in February. And Members of our advisory team had clear thoughts that it probably wasn't a good idea for us to, as they would say, go off and try to save the world, as they would call it, that we needed to stay focused and keep doing exactly what we had been doing. And I was specifically cautioned about, you know, trying to keep my internal desires to contribute in check. At the same time, I couldn't help but feel that it seemed like all the forces were in alignment, that our solution was ready at a time when it was needed most. And I can tell you that there wasn't a member of our team that wasn't ready to go in full trying to help in any efforts of COVID. And so as our month progressed, I would say our board was very much, they turned around, they were very much on board and they realized that this was going to be a much bigger part of the economy than all of us realized. And there really was no way to not begin to address how COVID was going to affect our market. And were you getting feedback from the industry, from some of your customer base that you were already working with? Were you talking to new type of prospects out there to see what the need was with this ensuing pandemic? And what was that feedback like? Yeah. So those are great questions because I think that's part of some of the problems with how we as a country have mobilized for combating COVID-19. So 
we had as a company decided that we were going after small community practices as our market. And we had really pivoted to doing that at the end of 2019. Things were going quite well. And we were really excited about that particular market. We were getting a lot of interest. Truth be told, those groups that we had onboarded before February ended up using our platform and it ended up becoming a major or a dominant source of revenue for them in the pandemic. For those groups that hadn't onboarded up to that time, a lot of them stepped back and we weren't able to get those sort of clients on board. As many of us know now, many of those community practices closed during periods of the pandemic and even just took PPP for their staff and were kind of waiting for things to sort of blow over. And so We started partnering and reaching out to more community partners. And truth be told, much of that planning that we worked very hard on for those, what I would call the spring and the early part of the summer is really just getting going now as we start to approach these next stages of the pandemic. And staying back there for a bit and through that, Kim, so you started seeing, yes, there is this need in the marketplace. And you and the team at Play at Health, you started developing a COVID-19 educational model. You expanded COVID models for Spanish and pediatrics, as well as I saw some work within nursing homes. Obviously, we know incredibly right. impacted by this virus, been just horrible. Right. So can you start sharing what exactly you did with the business to address COVID-19? What were some of the tactical things? What were some of the products or services Play at Health was deploying into the marketplace for the coronavirus? Since we had clients in New York, we were definitely following the scenario in New York quite closely. And as a result, we were hearing all these horror stories about patients that were being turned away from emergency rooms, even if they were positive, even if they were ill. And I'm sure we're all kind of PTSD, but remember the stories of the individuals that would be turned away and were dying at home. As you can imagine, as a clinician with this kind of a platform, it's very hard to hear those types of stories. So we began standing up and expanding our functionality, which wasn't that big of a stretch for us, but our previous model was to do what we call intermittent biometric monitoring. In other words, a blood pressure here, an oxygen saturation here, and to take that multiple times a day if necessary but it wasn't continuous monitoring. Well, we expanded our platform to be able to provide continuous monitoring and we partnered and or created what I would call a clinical practice. And initially it was created within Play It Health since the distinct purpose was to provide direct monitoring for patients in their home should they need that and be turned away from hospitals. But we eventually sort of stood that up as a partner organization called Remote Care Docs. And what were some of the results that you were seeing or experiencing with those customers in the marketplace? Because you're right, that was PTSD, seeing those stories of people being turned away, having just incredible you know, feedback of where we were lacking, how we couldn't provide these services to our fellow community members across the nation. What was the feedback that you were receiving for what you were bringing to them? Also, when we reached out to the marketplace with these services, for the most part, people didn't know exactly still what to do with them. I mean, I can tell you, and I mean, you see this now, right? I think the marketplace was very confused, very scared, didn't really know exactly how to handle things. 
just creating that practice definitely allayed a lot of those fears. And we have found that that's been something that has significantly decreased the anxiety factor that practices may have when they're stepping up to the plate and wanting to implement remote patient monitoring. One of the things that we oftentimes hear from our clients is it was great to speak to somebody with clinical experience whenever we even just call for that initial consultation. You know, we know we want remote patient monitoring, but we don't know exactly how to implement it in our practice. And so that was part of what we were getting. The next thing that we were getting was some of these areas, people were, for the most part, okay, right? So they were at high risk for not doing well if they got COVID. And we were monitoring, you know, their clinicians were monitoring them on a daily basis. And ironically, we were finding other things that would have resulted in their having admissions rather than necessarily complications of COVID. But that had significant impact because that meant they didn't need to go to a hospital that was seriously compromised by heavy infections with COVID. And so in a very indirect way, that was an indirect positive effect that we saw that we were reducing unnecessary readmissions by catching asthmatics when they were people with asthma, when their, their heart rates were lower than they should be and they were getting dangerously rogue or when their saturations were low for other reasons, not necessarily just COVID. So those were some of the things that we were picking up that we were surprised about. The other thing that we sort of found during this period was our adherence rates, people liked using the platform. And they really liked the educational modules because truth be told, everybody was scared, right? And we have these little educational modules that when I say a module, it's a daily pearl. So it's a short little educational snippet that comes out once a day that just has some little pearlette. And I don't know if any of you guys can remember back to February and March, but in the initial days when everybody was so scared, but people found those, I think, very helpful. In regards to, we discussed it just a little bit ago about nursing homes and long-term care facilities. You mentioned in some of your collateral about surveillance programs and long-term care facilities to identify and isolate index cases. That's powerful. As we know, it has just ripped through these institutions, these types of long-term care facilities. And I think it's important that we think beyond the pandemic in regards to surveillance in these acute facilities that are very fragile. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. This is a fragile population. Can you describe more of some of the success that you and the team did experience with what I just described with your work inside these long-term care facilities? Because I think it's important that we address that as well. Yeah. So most of the work in the long-term care facilities is still being moved forward as far as the actual indices of moving the needle, if you will. I think the things that we were able to do is to set up protocols for moving forward in the future and to set up to give them, shall I say, insight into ways that they could monitor not only their patients, but their employees. And so every area is different, but we still have areas where we exist that where the staff in the nursing homes aren't necessarily being open to vaccination. And so there 
we have now expanded our protocols to what is, and this is what's being sort of taken up more now, to address vaccine hesitancy. Now, as you touched upon it in regards to this vaccine hesitancy, Kim, before we dive in, I know you guys and the team are building out COVID vaccination modules to approach vaccine hesitancy. We have some of the nation's brightest and most passionate leaders in the healthcare industry that tune into this podcast. Can you just give us a little bit of real talk here? What do we need to be thinking about in our communities, not just with our day-to-day work, with whether we're working at a health plan or if we're working at a healthcare system or if we're an entrepreneur, but just being members of our communities across the nation? Can you give us some real talk around this phenomenon that is vaccine hesitancy? And then we'll also talk more specifically on what you guys and the team are doing to address that. But why do we have this vaccine hesitancy when we've seen the efficacy rates of these vaccines through the roof? and the safety has been proven out. Why is it such a big phenomenon in our nation right now? Those are great questions and they're complicated, but it's a very real phenomenon and it's multifactorial. So the reasons vary from geographic region and even socioeconomic sort of group that you evaluate, but the reasons go from anything from the fact that we have historically had some medical regimens that have been implemented in patient populations where data has not been presented to them in a forthright manner and where there have even been associated complications. I have to be honest, I was one of the ones that did not realize until colleagues brought it up very clearly that the Tuskegee experiment still had resonation today in the African-American population. I mean, that's a real phenomenon. People are definitely concerned about those things. Then we have the added sort of component of, and I'm just going to call a spade a spade because Mike and I know we definitely have sort of real talk here. There's been a lot of political polarization around this whole topic. And so many have been concerned about the fact that the vaccines were developed quickly. These vaccines may have been developed quickly, but it was based on over 20 years of research in these RNA vaccines. So it's not like this is a new type of vaccine that has been developed. There has been a long series of analysis and experimentation that has gone into developing these vaccines. And so those are some of the big reasons, but communication is key. And I think we are at a very exciting yet critical period where we have the opportunity to now have very transparent data placed at our fingertips. And we're going to need to jump on this with all of our efforts to start reaching out to the data that comes out on a day-to-day basis that is real and begin to process that and begin to put that out into the public eye and ear. Thank you for that, Kim. And as I mentioned, you guys are building out a COVID vaccination module to approach vaccine hesitancy. You're building relationships with communities all over the nation, focusing on vaccine hesitancy, and you're designing multiple studies to address this hesitancy. Kim, when can we start seeing these things deployed out in the marketplace from the Play at Health camp? Is it already out there in the wild? Are you going to be delivering this soon? Give us a little bit of what's happening there around the vaccine hesitancy efforts you guys are deploying. So we already have a baseline module that's ready to be deployed tomorrow. If we had a candidate that, you know, talked to us that wanted to deploy this, we already have components of it already out for the general population. But we would definitely prefer 
that the modules are deployed in an environment where we can begin to evaluate them, where we can begin to figure out what works, what doesn't work. But we have a variety of things that we're doing in addition to the modules so that we can further evaluate how these work. And because as you can imagine, our name being Play It Health, we have been working with various engagement tools and tricks over the years that Yes, we believe, even though this is a very serious subject, now is the time to maybe bring a little bit of that gamification concept back in because we think that sometimes putting some of this stuff out there in a more lighthearted fashion may enable us to reach and cross barriers that we would not otherwise be able to cross. So if somebody called us tomorrow, we're ready to give them a mobile module that they can give to their patients on their applications now. And we will be continuing to update this on a daily basis. And it will also be available in Spanish. Oh, how exciting. Well, obviously, there's a couple of ways right there. We could be helping you right now. And our community can be rallying around you right now with deploying this module. But even more broadly, Kim, how can our community be helping you and the Play It Health team with all of this incredible and inspiring work you're helping lead with the company? What can we be doing? How can we get involved? How can we be helping you and your team? We are always looking for partners that would like to use remote patient monitoring to expand their offering for patients. So one of the things that we do is we believe we have an approach that can personalize the approach for both the clients and for the patients. And so if you know groups, if you know clinicians that are sort of on that fence that really just don't feel like they're ready to jump, please put us in touch with them because we very much believe that this kind of solution can really offer a lot to their patients. And we think it's one of the most clear ways of guaranteeing continuity of care, especially in things like this, like the pandemic. Well, let's get me the heck out of the way. Why don't you just share directly with our community? Where can they find you online, social media handles, websites, or otherwise with our community that can help rally around you and the Play It Health team with exactly that you just described? Where can we find you online? How can we connect? Perfect. So our website is www.playithealth.com. It's clear on the first page that you can sign up for a demo at any point in time. I can be reached at kgandy at playithealth.com, or you can reach out to our team at info at playithealth.com. We are on Twitter at at playithealth or at Kimberly Gandy. We're also on, or Kimberly Gandy one. We are also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Well, easy enough right there. We'll also include all of those touch points, connectivity points online for Kim and the team over at passionatepioneers.com, our free global online community. There will be a post for this episode with all those contact points and an area where you can leave comments, questions, feedbacks, ideas, or otherwise, again, over at passionatepioneers.com or simply scroll down in the episode notes in your favorite podcast player and click on through. Well, Kim, thank you so much for taking a pit stop today. Always, always love spending time with you, my friend. I've always been inspired by your work and continue to be. Of course, we continue to rally around you and your team's efforts. Continue to keep us posted with where things are headed. But for now, Kim, thanks again for all that you're doing and for being with us today on the podcast. Well, Mike, thanks for giving this opportunity. And as usual, thank you for all that you do for digital health, both in the area and in the country. You take care. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. 
We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. 